everyone. Welcome to the Allocators Podcast. I'm your host, Cher Ross. And today, I'm joined by Cameron Heiser, CFO of ZoomInfo. Cameron, thank you for joining us today. Looking forward to hearing the insights about how you allocate capital at ZoomInfo. Before we start, it'd be great to get some background about career and just uh, where, where you're at today. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. So as someone who has an electrical engineering background, how did you come into finance? Yeah, that was a long time ago. When I was going to college and looking at colleges, you know, I think I wanted to be an entrepreneur at the time, actually. I you know, was excited about technology and the intersection of technology and business. So I, I did go get an engineering degree uh, in electrical engineering. I also, at the same time, had a dual degree program with uh, Wharton. So I got a, a business degree along with that. And, you know, as is the kind of typical twists and turns of a uh, of figuring out what you want to do, I ended up going into investment banking, which uh, yeah was pitched as a great way to learn about business and to see a whole bunch of different businesses. But that really started me along the path for finance. I obviously, you know, did a bunch of things within investment banking. Then I went to go work for a private equity company, and one of the portfolio companies of the private equity company that I worked for needed a temporary CFO. And so I went to, actually went to Bath, England to be a temporary CFO for summer, really enjoyed the operational side of finance and have really been in that, you know, kind of CFO slash, you know, kind of senior finance position ever since. And, and what led you to ZoomInfo from your prior experiences? Yeah, before ZoomInfo, I worked at a company called Ez Software. We did uh, order management systems for hedge funds and mutual funds. We actually went through a couple iterations of, you know, when I started, we were founder-owned, and then we sold to a private equity firm and kind of merged with some assets out of the bank in New York, and then we spun out and sold to another private equity firm. So through all those Kind of sales. Uh, I got to know the Carlisle people pretty well. Yeah, they uh, they have been on Ez quite a few times through the through the history of Ez. And so when we finally sold Ez to SSNC, you know, I I naturally wasn't going to stay. You know, as kind of a smaller part of a bigger organization. And they called me up and they said, "You really need to meet Henry. They had just invested in in ZoomInfo." And it was Discover Org at the time, but they just invested and were really excited about it. So I met Henry and, you know, was really excited about the opportunity to really help sales teams be more effective and efficient. And that's obviously what Zoom Info does. Yeah, it's a super company, great people with a you know great growth trajectory ahead of us. So got excited about it and joined in 2018 and actually moved out to Vancouver, Washington to join the team. Awesome. Great. You know, in, in hindsight, it, it seems... You've been there for over four years, is that correct? It is, yeah. So what was the finance department like when you walked in versus what it's like today? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, when I started, the, uh, the guys at TA told me that, you know, we invested at this company when it was a $25 million company. And, you know, we haven't really invested into kind of building out the back office kind of capabilities. And that included the finance team. So I think we were, I don't know, eight or 12 people, you know, not kind of super focused on the external part of finance. So ultimately raising money and uh, going public and those sort of things. You know, it's very much a kind of bootstrapped company kind of finance organization that just did kind of minimum reporting to kind of help make business decisions, but didn't have, you know, the same depth and kind of focus on everything else that a finance organization needs to do. So my job when I started was to really build the finance organization. You know, we were 
in the middle of implementing NetSuite at the time. I hired basically an, an entire new team. I think by the time we went public, there were probably, yeah, I think we had close to 65 or 70 people. And, you know, I think uh, half of the people that were here originally had left at that point, but hired new you know, chief accounting officer, hired a whole bunch of people within the FP&A team, all the SEC reporting, a procurement person, you know, you name it. We really built out the, the team in order to, you know, operate much more in a much more controlled environment that you need to when you go public. And, and how did that transition, like how smooth was that transition going from private to public? Was that your first time doing it? It was my first time doing it. At Ez, we had like gone through the the IPO process. So we'd gone through a couple of rounds of comments with the SEC in terms of our S1 document and so forth. Um, but that process ultimately ended in a, in a sale to a private equity firm. So it was the first time actually kind of getting through the other end of, of going public. You know, it's a, anytime you go through that, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of change. I think we did really well in terms of the smoothness of it. We actually, uh, we went public basically a year and a half after I started. So starting from zero to, you know, actually going public, it was kind of a sprint to, to get to that point. But the, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is, you know, it's not like that's the end point. That's really the beginning of our relationship with the, the current investors that we have. So it was a kind of a sprint to get into the starting date gate of being public. And then, you know, we continued to, to kind of grow and, and, uh, you know, build out more and more functionality and capabilities and back office capabilities from there. So I'm just, you know, thinking about fast forwarding to today. How are you thinking about capital allocation going into this year and, and into next year? Yeah. So we're, we're always focused on, you know, capital allocation and what we, what we can do. Yeah. The great thing about uh, Zoom Info is that we, we are, fairly cash flow generative. So, you know, we generate a fair amount of cash, you know, day day after day, you know, week after week. So, you know, it's really a question of what's the best use of that cash as we go forward. You know, certainly in, in today's environment, there's a premium to having cash in an uncertain economic environment. So we do, you know, continue to hold on to our cash, at least some of it. And yeah, I think over time we've been very successful acquiring uh, companies and integrating those into the platform. So we continue to look for great opportunities to you know, build value for our customers and for our shareholders through you know, acquisitions. And then you know, uh, about a month ago, we also announced that we're beginning a, a share repurchase program. So we've started to repurchase you know, some of our shares on the, on the open market as well in order to return some of the capital that we generate to shareholders. And so that'll be a balance that we continue to you know, focus on as we continue to grow and, and generate more cash flow. So looking at this year, how is the, the budget design process this year compared to previous years, just given the economy and how things are trending in the macro environment? Yeah, I mean, certainly this this, this year is a, has been a tougher year and we kind of walked into it knowing that. So. We certainly injected, you know, additional conservatism into how we thought about the budget. And, you know, a number of our customers are in the software space and, you know, other places. And those, those customers have been, you know, fairly materially impacted by the current economic environment. So, you know, we, we certainly had a much greater level of conservatism in terms of how we think about the budget. We've, you know, essentially assumed that the, that a kind of tough macro environment continues through the entire year. 
And, you know, as a, as a result of that, I think, you know, we're, you know, much more cautious about you know, hiring and, and where we're investing in the business, but still very focused on making sure that we're investing in the right things to, you know, drive future value. And so for us, that means, you know, probably doing fewer things, but doing those things really well and leaning in hard to making sure that they're successful and drive value out, out in the future. And has the realities of Q1 forecast somewhat adjusted kind of go forward budget or was it somewhat on plan to what your expectations were? Yeah, and I think it was largely on plan to what the expectations were. Cool. Well, I, I'm kind of curious to learn a bit more about how Zoom Info works internally. Like I know how we buy software usually, you know, like when, when we bought Zoom Info, it usually comes down to a, a CFO or C-suite level decision. It would be interesting for you to walk us through maybe the last time Zoom Info made a, a, a decently sized software purchase internally. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're always focused on what's the business case for any software that we're, we're buying. And yeah, I, I don't know that I get involved in every software purchase. You know, we have a procurement team and other folks that are you know, super focused on that. But I think the uh, great thing about Zoom Info is that the, the entire company is focused on you know, how do we continue to, you know, be efficient with, you know, what we do. So, you know, we're very acclimated to really creating that business case, defining what we think we're going to get out of, you know, a particular purchase. You know, if, uh, you know, most, most software is about one of two things. It's either about generating more revenue or it's about, you know, kind of cutting costs or improving quality of what we do within the organization. So, you know, when we, when we think about that, it really is, okay, where do we think we're going to be able to generate revenue? What do we think are realistic expectations for that? And therefore there's a return. And then, you know, certainly when we think about efficiency, it's also about what can we do better? How can we do it better? How can we, how can something, you know, help us scale the organization? And so, you know, that scaling and, and efficiency is, is also something that we aim to define and then, Make sure that there's a, a solid return on the on the software that we're purchasing. Yeah, it makes sense. And and I guess it it, it also just influences your your M and A uh, strategy somewhat um, heading into the next couple of years. Is just perhaps there's more opportunities that are coming up that that wouldn't have had the chance historically. Is the team seeing kind of new opportunities present themselves, or is it still too early to to really know? Yeah, it's still pretty early. You know, I think we're very focused on making sure that we're deploying our, you know, focus on the business just because there's so much opportunity for us to continue to grow and, you know, really drive value for our customers. But, you know, over time, I'm certain that there will be, you know, opportunities that, you know, where we can really add value to customers and to our shareholders. And right now, I would actually tell you that I think the bid ask spread, if you think about that, of what private companies are looking for, because most of the companies that we, you know, acquire, you know, more private than public. I think it's starting to come in a little, but it's still wider than I think you would have seen in history. And so, you know, that, that tells me that there's, you know, not a big rush to, to go out and you know, really focus on acquisitions in the immediate term. But certainly as we get, you know, further down the road and, you know, in the medium to long term, I'm sure there will be some good opportunities for us. Got it. Okay. So if you have a crystal ball heading into next year, where, where do you think the biggest pivot is going to be from a capital allocation strategy? And, and with that, where, where do you think interest rates are going? Yeah, you know, 
my uh, my crystal ball is not as uh, is not as clear as it perhaps could be. You know, from a capital allocation perspective, I think I think that every company needs to kind of think about that with respect to their their own needs and where their growth potential is. Certainly, you know, I don't know when the the economic environment is going to stabilize or improve, but I know that it will at some point. You know, we've at least I've been through a couple economic cycles and in the depths of it, it looks really bad. And, you know, in the, uh, at some point you come out the other end and things stabilize for us, that's all about buying behavior and, and so forth. So, you know, when that, when we come out the other end, our focus is really on making sure that we're really well positioned to take advantage of that. And so, you know, in the short term, that means continuing to build sales capacity, continuing to kind of focus on efficiency. And then, you know, when we come out the other end, we'll want to continue to invest into the business and accelerate as a result of that. In terms of capital allocation, because we're, you know, fairly cash flow generative, you know, I'm not super worried about, you know, continuing to invest in the business. I'm going to show a little bit of operating leverage in, in either event. And so we'll... You know, focus on other acquisition opportunities or opportunities to you know repurchase our stock as we you know go through that. From an interest rate perspective, like you know, I I don't know that I know any better than the market. Certainly, the yield curves would tell you that at some point interest rates are going to come down. I think the current yield curve is probably towards the end of the year. They you know, or second half they you know peak and then you know start to come down, but. I generally, you know, don't try to bet on interest rates going one way or the other. And because I, you know, run a capital light business, I don't have to worry about it. Awesome. Thanks for the conversation and appreciate the insights. That's all the time we have for today. This is Sherrod Ross. Thank you for joining us on The Outdoors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Alligators. Join us next week for a new discussion where we get inside the mind of a financial decision maker. I'm Sharon Ross. See you next time.